mysterious charm of the cat's eye shell, which is said to give power over the forces of the sea and water. A mad and cunning plan. Portsmouth, West Sussex, England, 20th of August, 1658. A boat slid over the dark waters of the bay, its oars making the occasional soft splash that caused Luca and Amelia to wince and shrink down, pulling the sailcloth further over their heads. Towering above the little skiff were immense seafaring ships, their hulks black against the great arc of starry sky. Their tall masts creaked as they rocked up and down on the waters of the harbour, and their rigging sang with a high, eerie sound. Occasionally a distant cry could be heard, or a shrill boatswain's whistle calling the passing hours of the night. Each sound carried a great distance over the water and made the fugitives hidden on board the skiff acutely aware of the need for silence. Luca clasped his tiny monkey Zizi in his arms, petting her so that she stayed still and silent, her wrinkled face anxious and wide-eyed. She did not like the rocking of the boat, or the creaking and groaning of the great ships, or the sudden unexpected slap of a wave that sent a spray of water over them. She clung to Luca tightly, and occasionally whimpered in fear. Rollo did not like the boat either. He lay beside Amelia, his tail tucked between his legs, his thin body trembling under its thick, shaggy pelt. Amelia soothed him silently, and he pressed closer to her. Also hidden under the tarpaulin were the Duke of Ormond, the exiled king's right-hand man, Lord Harry Morrow, cavalier-turned-highwayman, and Father Plummer, a Catholic priest and co-conspirator. Rowing the boat was the Duke's servant Nat, and Tom Whitehorse, the son of the Norwood squire, for the Duke had thought they were the ones least likely to arouse suspicion. Although Luca had someone's elbow in the small of his back, and someone's boot wedged up near his ear, and he could scarcely breathe due to the smell of bilge water and bad breath and wet dog. He dared not wriggle or complain. They all knew the dreadful consequences of being caught in the company of the Duke of Ormond, the most wanted man in the country. Luca could not help wondering how he came to be here, in company with rebels and traitors. Personally, he did not much care whether a king or a lord protector ruled the land. As long as he was free to play his fiddle and wander the roads, earning a penny here and a penny there, picking apples or harvesting hay, mending a broken gate or digging a ditch, feeling the sun hot on his back in summer and the snow tingling on his tongue in winter. Except that his fiddle was gone, and he and Amelia were on the run, with little more than two weeks left to try to find some way to save their families. Luca took a deep breath, and then another, forcing himself to relax. These royalist rebels were helping them on their way, he reminded himself. He and Amelia could never have stolen a boat and sailed it this far by themselves. Soon they would dock the boat and go their separate ways. The Duke of Ormond would find a ship and sail back to the impoverished royal court, in exile on the continent. Lord Harry would go back to robbing coaches and drinking toasts to the king on the side of the road. Tom Whitehorse would go back to his father's comfortable manor at Norwood, and the portly little priest, Father Plummer, would go back to his flock, worshipping in secret.
Luca and Amelia would go on to find the other Rom tribes and beg them for their help in saving their families. All they had to do was safely dock their skiff. It was a mad and cunning plan, Luca thought. Perhaps mad and cunning enough to work. The idea was to sneak in under the cover of darkness and dock their boat near one of the great ships. The Duke and his servant would then hurry ashore, while the skiff pushed off and escaped to the east. The town was always filled with people embarking and disembarking from the many war and trade ships that docked there, and hopefully the Duke of Ormond would be swallowed up in the crowd of sailors and merchants and soldiers, and be able to seek passage back to the continent, where the young king waited, fretting for news and impatient for the chance to win back his throne. The little skiff crept quietly in among the lines of the big galleons, its rowlocks muffled with lace torn from Tom's shirt. Closer and closer to the great stone wharf it crept, and then Nat seized hold of a bow rope.